We love Easter Sunday and the privilege of being able to come into the presence of the Lord and to pray and to worship and to seek Him together. We are asking God to do uh, immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine. How many of you believe God has something He wants to do in your life today? Right? I mean, this is sort of a, uh, an expression of faith to say, Lord, I'm asking for you to, to move in my life today. And that's what we've been doing as we pray and as we worship. We're giving some space for him to do that. Let me give you this introduction. On behalf of the church leadership, staff and leaders here, I want to, I want to welcome you to our Easter services. We've been praying that today would be a powerful encounter as we worship our risen Savior and celebrate this centerpiece of our faith which is the scripture we just read. Today we are participating in an event that is celebrated by a third of the global population. Now this is amazing to think about in languages uh, all across the the world, different cultures, different languages, different places, there are people that are gathering together just as we have gathered together to exalt the name of Jesus, to lift him up, to celebrate what he has done for us on our behalf. So you are part of a global movement right now. It is this weekend that unites us under the reality of the greatest act of love and triumph that the human race has ever known. So this week, as we have taken time to contemplate the cross, now we celebrate the empty tomb. So whether you are a long-term member of this church or if you're a guest from another town or state or country, we are glad that you are here as we celebrate these three words, Christ is risen. Let me hear you say it. And now you say, He is risen indeed. There you go. Our prayer for you today is that your faith will be deepened, that new faith will be kindled, and that the mystery of the, of the cross and the unstoppable power of Christ would be made manifest here today. We also want to hear from you. I want you to do me a favor right now. If you look in the seat back in front of you, you'll probably see a card that looks sort of like this. I want you to grab it if you can find one. Maybe the first service took them all, but there should be enough around, okay? So why don't you grab that card? Just hang on to it. What I want you to do as I go through this message today, I've got sort of five opportunities to respond. And, you know, we love celebrating with you. If God's doing something in your life and you want to share it with us, we want to pray for you. We want to encourage you in that commitment. Today, whether you've been here for a long time, I don't care if you've been walking with Jesus for 50 years, God might have something new for you today, right? I mean, I I love that. Uh, we got some old folks in this church who frequently tell me, I'm asking for God to do a new work in my life. And I love that. That's how I want to be when I grow up as well. And if you're older today, don't, don't think that you're too old for God to do something in your life. If you're younger today, don't think that you're too young for God to do something in your life because we are going to be talking about freedom. We're talking about out of slavery and into freedom and onto the promised land and what does that all mean? And there's several places that I want to ask you to just pause and reflect on what your commitment response would be. So keep that response card handy. We'd love to hear from you, and I'll give you some uh, interjected points in the service today. Resurrection Sunday, as we have contemplated the cross and the agony of Christ's sacrifice, we now celebrate the risen Savior and the empty tomb. What we're going to do today, just to set up the message for you, because it will feel maybe a little non-typical, normally we'd be preaching from John 20 or something like that about the resurrection account, what we have been doing, if you have been serving or if you've been uh, attending here, uh, we've been going through the book of Exodus, 
And what I've been struck by as we have been teaching this is how many parallels there are in the book of Exodus and really in the Old Testament as a whole to the gospel message that we are celebrating today. Now all of this is is a forerunner. All of this is foreshadowing. And yet it is a powerful foreshadowing of what God wants to do and what I believe God is doing even today. And so today, uh, as we talk about things like slavery and redemption and power and the journey and trials and wandering and destination and worship, all of this feels incredibly relevant. And if you've been tracking with us, you'll you'll find that today's message is a little bit of a review. If you are a guest with us today, or maybe this is the first time you've been with us today, you'll be able to kind of catch up and get an overview of all the things that we've been talking about. So I think it's going to work. Exodus 33, if you have your Bibles, I want you to flip over there. We're going to look at a conversation that God has with Moses on this journey. And this is a point where the Israelites have already been released from slavery. They've crossed the Red Sea. Uh, They're they're heading to Mount Sinai. They're going to be in the wilderness. All of these things are kind of in motion right now. And God is having this conversation with Moses. And again, I think it encapsulates so beautifully uh, this thing that we call the Christian journey. Uh, So read with me verses 12 uh, to 18 of Exodus 33. And it says this. Moses said to the Lord, you have been telling me, lead these people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. You have said, I know you by name, and you have found favor with me. If you are pleased with me, teach me your ways, so that I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. The Lord replied, my presence will go with you, And I will give you rest. Then Moses said to him, If your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you have asked because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. And then Moses said, Show me your glory. That's what I want to pause. I just want to take a little snapshot right now of this journey that is underway. And I want you to see some of the incredible parallels as we look at the Old Testament and into the new covenant that we now live in because of the empty tomb. Today I'm going to give you some stuff that you can celebrate. You can take with you just to say, God, thank you for what you have done for me. And I suspect that there are many that are here that would say, you know, there is a new level that God is calling me to. And Easter is a great time to make commitments to the Lord. Because His resurrection power, which was displayed in the empty tomb, is at work in us. And He wants to, he wants to walk with us as we go. So I want you to see a couple things. If you're familiar with this Exodus narrative, here's a couple of things that will stand out to you. You are familiar then with divine rescue. That's what happened with the plagues and with, uh, with uh, the exodus itself. This was a divine act of God. Then they go to the Red Sea and they go through the water. And then they, they get to Mount Sinai and they become ordered in their worship. And all of this is revelation. All of this is stuff they don't know about God. He's instructing them. He's revealing more and more about his nature and about himself. 
And so they get ordered worship. And then they go out to the wilderness. We'd like it just to be right to the promised land, but it's not. It's into the wilderness first, and then through the wilderness and onward to glory. And those are the five things that I would like to walk us through today as we think about what those mean for us in light of the empty tomb of Christ. The first one is divine rescue. When we talk about the cross of Christ, when we talk about the empty tomb, we are talking definitively about a divine rescue mission. This is not simply uh, an historical idea. This is not simply, simply something that we look back on and say we're glad that that happened, but this is something that is incredibly relevant to our world today. When you think about the brokenness in your world, when you think about the brokenness in your life, the solution to the world's brokenness is, in fact, the cross of Christ, the finished work of Christ, and the empty tomb. I want to talk about divine rescue when we think about the the book of Exodus. We go back and we see that here's God's people, that they're enslaved, they're being oppressed. These were the people through which, as we we studied this, uh, these are the people through which God was going to bring the blessing, this was in the covenant with Abraham, that was going to bless the entire world because through these people were going to come the Messiah. So the people of God have now fallen under this oppression and whether the Egyptians realized it or not, they were oppressing the very vehicle through which God was desiring to bless the world. And they couldn't get out on their own. They cried out to the Lord for hundreds of years, send us a deliverer, send us a helper. Listen now, if they could have fixed it on their own, they would have. And that is absolutely critical for us when we understand this idea of divine rescue. When we understand what God is doing at the cross, the sacrifice of Christ, and the empty tomb. They can't fix it on their own. What we see, and we, we looked at this uh, at the end of the plagues, uh, back in the Exodus, the last plague was this horrible experience where the, the, the death of the firstborn that we even describe this in our Good Friday services, like this, this would have felt like hell on earth. The loss and the wailing and the grief and, and all of this stuff. And yet, the people of God are covered under the Passover lamb. It is the blood of the innocent lamb on the doorpost that God looks at and he says, I'm gonna pass my judgment over this. Now, look at this. Jesus... On Good Friday, he's come to celebrate the Passover with his disciples, and he's doing that, this ancient tradition, and now he's going to breathe new life and meaning into this thing like they had probably no idea. This is my body that's broken for you, my blood that is poured out for you. And they probably said, what in the world is he talking about? And then they see him go to the cross, and they still don't fully understand And after the resurrection, it's only after he comes to them and gives them understanding to see what he has actually done, what he has actually achieved in this divine rescue. You realize Jesus experienced an isolation from the Father that literally staggered him on the cross as he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That he was literally experiencing the separation from the presence of of Almighty God in a way that you have never and no one here has to, 
right? See, he's experienced that isolation on the cross. This is the divine rescue. He's doing something substitutionary. He is experiencing hell on earth. Little encouragement, you know, if you're in Christ today, understand this, that the trials of this world are the closest thing that you are ever going to get to hell if you've been rescued by divine power. You realize that? The converse of this is also true, that the fleeting joys of this life are the closest thing you're ever going to get to heaven if you are not brought back to life. And I use that phrase intentionally. C.S. Lewis actually said it this way, the cross of Christ and the sacrifice of Christ was not about, about making uh, bad people good. It was about making dead people alive. It was about coming in and doing... A, so, so again, we've got to get our mind around the divine rescue of God, and we can see it nowhere better than at the cross of Christ. Now, I don't know. Some of you might be looking at me. I'm giving you some heavy stuff already this morning, and you're going, I don't know, man. This is Easter time. You know, give me a little bit. Let, let me ask you to consider this. Do you remember your Psalm 40 experience? Psalm 40 became a life passage for me when I was going through a season of, of spiritual renewal, and I realized how dead and lost I actually was. You know, I thought I was free. I thought I was, I was I'm making my own decisions. I'm living my own life. I'm doing, living for me and all of these kind of things. And, and in fact, I'm, I'm not free at all. And I said this a couple weeks ago. I come to a place of saying, this doesn't feel like freedom. So I got to fix it, right? That's what we got to do. No, you need divine intervention. I needed divine revelation. I needed divine intervention. God began to speak to my life. God began to do a work in me. I don't know who was praying for me. I don't know how that all happened, but all of a sudden, God starts to get my attention in ways that he never has before. God's starting to invite me into a relationship with him that I never fully understood before, and then I come across Psalm 40, and it almost breaks my heart. It's so beautiful. It says, I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me up out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and the mire. He set my feet on a rock. He gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in him. What are we talking about? We're talking about divine rescue. We're talking about a work that only God can do. And the bottom line is this. This is sort of fascinating. When you study the Exodus passage, do you know that God's people, when they did leave Exodus, after all the plagues and all the demonstrations of God's power, they finally said, just go. And so God's people are leaving, and they left wealthy. Did you know that? It actually says in Exodus 12, verse 36, that they plundered Egypt in a battle that they never fought. They left wealthy, having plundered an enemy that they never had to fight themselves. That is a beautiful gospel picture of what happens when we say yes to Jesus. This is the nature of divine rescue, that it is his work and not mine, right? So for all of us that would say, you know, we're working and we're striving and we're trying to do our best, people tell me that all the time, I'm doing my best, I'm doing my best, I'm doing my best. You gotta stop doing your best or at least stop relying on it. Because the gospel message is that we're receiving the divine help of God. We're, we're, we're falling on his finished work. I'll give you a great prayer to pray. This has become a life prayer in my own life. Lord, I fall on the finished work of Jesus. And that's it. 
when we talk about, or if you know people that are followers of Christ, some of you would be here today and maybe you're here because it's Easter and so you come to church or whatever, but when you talk to people who are followers of Christ, ultimately what they have done, they're not a better person, they're not morally superior, they are a person who is broken, just like you, just like me, but has come to the place of saying, I'm falling on the finished work of Jesus. This is the nature of divine rescue. It is his work and not mine. This brings us to our first commitment on your little card, if you got that thing handy. We, I actually love this. We have this, you know, if you today say, I've never actually experienced the divine rescue of God's work in my life. I've never done that. You know, and listen, don't, don't assume just because you've gone to church for a long time or you own a Bible or whatever. I'm talking about, do you actually have a personal connection with Christ? You've actually received that. Uh, the, the worst thing, th- think about this. Uh, imagine if you are living a life, you're, you're bound up, you're stuck, you're spiritually dead or whatever, and yet you think in your mind, uh, I'm fine. That's sort of a double tragedy. But when the Holy Spirit awakens something in your life, and you say, man, I see something in these people that I don't have. You know, I see a relationship in somebody who loves Jesus that I, that I need to have. That. All of a sudden, the Holy Spirit begins to awaken that in you. you. You have a new understanding of your own need. How many of you have experienced that? Right? Lots of you have experienced that. Lots of people in this room. Now, the reason I love to ask those kind of questions and ask you to respond is that it's actually faith building to look around and see God has actually done this before. God has made a divine rescue of many people right in this room. And some of you have a big old smile on your face. You can't, you can't wipe that smile off your face if I asked you to. Because he who has been forgiven much loves much. So it's a divine rescue. That's commitment number one. If today you have never made that, don't, go, listen, here's the problem that we face people get all ahead of themselves and say, I gotta start fixing my life up. I gotta order my worship right. I gotta make this proclamation. I gotta do all of these kind of things. You're still in bondage. You gotta get out of bondage first. So that's why commitment number one is to say yes to Christ. Say yes to the divine rescue that is represented by the cross and the empty tomb. So if that's you today, very simple. You just say, God, I need the divine rescue. And I bow my knee to the lordship of Christ. And I invite you to stir and to work. And guess what? I'm gonna fall on the finished work of Jesus okay you can say that wherever you are doesn't matter how old you are how young you are doesn't matter if you've been here before or not or you're watching this online let today be a day that you say I bow my knee to the lordship of Christ and I fall on his finished work that's number one divine rescue here's the second one I found this fascinating Uh, in the Exodus account they have this divine rescue they go out they plunder their enemy in a battle that they didn't even fight they go out and you'd think they're free so everything's good but the first thing that happens is the enemy that just let him go wants to get him back. And so Pharaoh sends out his army and now they're backed up against the, the Red Sea and they're afraid because now they're wondering like, and this is actually a, a decent reminder for us that it is the grace of God that sets us free, but it's also the grace of God that sustains us in the battles. So now they're panicking and they're wondering what's God gonna do? And I love the, the passage, it just says, it says, watch and see. Watch and see the deliverance of our God. And you know the story, don't you, about the Red Sea, the, the waters part, and they go through the waters, and they come out on the other side. The uh, Egyptian army's obliterated, and now they're over there, and they're, and they're singing praises to God. 
uh, I will worship God because he's triumphed gloriously. The horse and the rider, he's thrown into the sea. And so they're giving this public proclamation on the other side of the water. So now I'm thinking about this. Okay, we're set free. The gospel sets us free. It's a beautiful parallel there. And then all of a sudden I start thinking about this. And I was like, wait a minute. Don't we have something like that? I go through the water and then give public profession of the work that God has done? Yeah. After you commit your heart and your life to Christ, one of the great joys that we have is that we get to help you make that public profession. That is what baptism is all about. So you heard about that in the announcement time. We have a baptism service coming up. That's your second commitment that I want to ask you to consider today. If you have been walking with Christ for any amount of time, if today you make a commitment to Christ and you say, hey, I want to give a public profession of that faith uh, in Christ, baptism is for you. That's an awesome opportunity. Now, I did say to our staff, I looked at these response cards, we don't have a checkbox for baptism. Uh, so we've got to fix that. We will fix that, but you don't need that. You can just write baptism on there, put your name on it, and we'll give you a call. We're going to say, hey, let's get that set up. Our next service for baptism is April 23rd. I love baptizing people. It's one of my favorite things that we get to do as a staff to help people make a public profession of their faith. The faith that you have in Christ is private, it's personal. When you get baptized, you're saying, I want the world to know. Okay, And we've done that in ponds, and we've done that in dunk tanks out on the front yard, and we've done that in the, the big tank here. Uh, I remember doing a baptism service in Peru. I've told you about this before. We had some students, one of our students right here. She got baptized in Peru uh, 100 years ago. No offense to you. You're not that old. Uh, and, and we had six students who said that they want to get baptized, and so we go out. I told our translator, do you have a place that we can get baptized? These kids want to get baptized in the Pacific Ocean, and it sounds, it sounds like the right thing to do. We're in Peru. So we go, and the translator said, yeah, we do baptisms here all the time, and so he takes us to this place, and I said, dude, this looks kind of rough here. I mean, the ocean is like churning and stuff like that, and he goes, oh, we do this all the time, and so we like ventured out, and we got pummeled by waves. It was awesome. We didn't lose anybody. Uh, we came back in after the baptism was over and my translator says to me like dude you are so brave going out there I said what are you talking about you told me to go out there he said no we don't go out in it we just go on the edge and I said lost in translation you know it's crazy but it doesn't matter where you do it the public profession of faith in Christ is very important it's part of the journey and if you've never done that if you've never if you've never uh, made that public profession, we would love for you to sign up for that. Make that that's your second commitment opportunity on your card. Write it down. You can do it right now. Put it in the, in the box on the way out. Here's the third one. Um, ordered worship. So we talked divine rescue. We talked through the water and then ordered worship. The, the Israelites arrive at Mount Sinai and they're given the Ten Commandments. They're given the law of God. They're beginning to understand Again, this is all being revealed to them. They're beginning to understand how to approach the presence of God. They're beginning to understand that there is a standard for being in His presence. They're beginning to understand that, that there are certain things that they must do to get themselves ready. And when they miss the mark, they need, they need a way to get back on track with Him. I want you to think about this for a moment. Ordered worship ordered worship first of all if you're still in captivity ordered worship makes no sense and we actually do a huge disservice right when we tell you hey you got to start acting different you got to start behaving better 
You know, you got to start acting like you love Jesus. Well, you don't have a relationship with Jesus yet. you got to get out of captivity first. But after that happens, God begins to realign our hearts with his heart, our priorities with his priority, our loves with his loves. And, and this is discipleship. This is growth. It is learning to be a worshiper. And I want you to hear this because there's purpose here. There is meaning here. And some of you right now on Easter morning are wrestling with a question of purpose. You're wondering what yours is. You're wondering what your direction is. I want to simply encourage you with this. Your greatest calling in all of life is that a normal person like you, a normal person like me, would actually become the habitation for the Spirit of God. So, so here's what begins to happen. We're, we're going to go here at the end, the Old Covenant, New Covenant, that God actually says, I'm going to take out that heart of stone in you. This is a divine rescue. I'm going to take out the heart of stone. I'm going to give you a heart of flesh. And all of the things that previously God's people were fully unable to do, I'm going to inhabit you with my spirit I'm going to make you a new person. This is reordered worship. It is the greatest calling in all of your life that a normal person like you or me would become the habitation of the Spirit of God. Uh, it strikes me on Easter Sunday morning that having a risen Savior, it changes everything. You would not care to live this life of ordered worship. It wouldn't make any difference to you at all if Jesus was dead. But the fact that Jesus is alive, is building his church, is calling people to himself, that he is amassing to himself people from every tribe and tongue and nation that are literally joining before the, the mercy seat of God and the throne of God to say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, to, to lift up the name of Jesus and to be worshipers of his. This is your greatest calling. And I said before that this is also where purpose comes in. Again, I remember this, this was my life, and so when I heard this quote from Augustine, man, it, it stuck with me when he said, you have made us for yourself, O God, and our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. And I realized when I first heard that, I was like, that's, that's my testimony. That's my story. I know what it is to be restless apart from properly ordered worship with God at the center of my life. How many of you also know what that's like? Raise a hand. You've been there. Remember that. Remember that. Because when you come to an Easter Sunday, you can say, God, thank you for what you've done. And you're reminded maybe more than any, anybody to say, I know this isn't, I'm not here because I deserve it. I know this is the unmerited favor of God. So we got divine rescue and we go through the water and we have ordered worship and then you'd like to say, and then it's off to the promised land and everything is good, but actually that's not how it went because next thing, they had to go through the wilderness. And this was the Exodus account, that the journey to the promised land involves the wilderness. It involves learning to trust in the unknown. It's where we wrestle with the very real heart questions of am I going to do it my way or God's way? And the people of Israel struggled with this, and this is part of our journey as well. We wrestle with the old nature that desires to turn back. In fact, when things got hard, the Israelites actually said at one point, we wish we were back in Egypt. 
We wish we were back in slavery. And sometimes you go through your life and, and you'd like to think it's all going to be easy and it's all going to be simple, but the fact of the matter is Jesus says in this world you're going to have trouble and following Christ is costly. Following Christ is hard. So if you're making a glib commitment today to say, sure, I'll do that, please know that that commitment's going to be tested almost immediately. And we go through the wilderness experiences of life and I, this is important for us to acknowledge because we've we got people right now that are saying, yeah, I'm I'm struggling. I'm suffering, I've got doubt, I've got struggles, I'm going through grief. I'm, whatever the, the wilderness experience is for you, I want to encourage you, it is not abnormal on this journey out of, out of uh, slavery and to the promised land. It is not abnormal, it is part of the process to go through the wilderness experiences of life. Some of you need to hear that. This is where we trust God in the unknown places. Hebrews 11, without faith it is impossible to please God. And the wilderness helps us with that. So here's, here's the thing. It, 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 the thing I love about this, this whole Exodus account is it shows the journey, right? It's not just slavery. It's out of slavery and, and going somewhere. It's, not, it's, it's through the water. It's, it's working through the various things. It's ordering our worship. It's going through the wilderness. And then finally, it's onward to glory, so the Exodus account actually ends with the glory of God filling the temple, but the people can't come into the presence. Just catch this. You know, I don't want to bore you here, but just, just catch this with me. The glory of God fills the temple, but the people cannot come into the presence of God. Here's Moses saying in the scripture we read, show me your glory. Here's what I want you to see. Here's our, here's our last commitment. You know, make a commitment to say yes to Jesus. Make a commitment to get baptized. Maybe that's you today. Make a commitment to say I'm, I'm allowing God to reorder my worship. That's growth. Make a commitment to say uh, I need some prayer as I go through the, the journey and, and go through the wilderness. The other side of that response card is a prayer card. Let us know how we can pray for you as you're work, walking through that. Your last one is this. Would you be committed to saying, Lord, help me understand the new covenant glory of God? Because as the glory filled the temple, but the people could not come into the presence, this is the Easter reality. And if you remember nothing else from this message, please hear this. The Easter reality is that the tomb is empty. Death, our greatest fear, has been defeated. That the cross is sufficient. Our sins are forgiven and we are atoned for before holy God. But then this is the other amazing thing. At the resurrection of Christ... The veil in the temple that separated the unholy people from the holiness of God, that sucker gets ripped in half from the top to the bottom. And so what we understand now is this, that the presence of God that was contained and do not enter, you cannot come in, you're unholy. The atonement of Christ has now said the presence of God is out here. God is on the move. And he's looking for a habitation that he can call a home. It's fascinating that even after all the stuff with the tabernacle and all the things you can study, you know, the scriptural truth now in the new covenant is God doesn't live in houses made by men. He didn't live in the building. He lives in the people. You are the temple of the living God. That gives you something to ponder and celebrate. So we're going onward to glory. Through the wilderness, through the water, we're getting reordered worship, we're out of bondage. I love seeing the gospel 
in this account. I'm going to ask the uh, worship team to come up. I'm just going to give you a couple words of conclusion here. And I just want to pray for you and uh, see if maybe God would be stirring in some way. Maybe God's got a commitment he's calling you to. Um, the, the concluding sort of thoughts is this. There is a mystery to the cross. That the cross is revealing the depths of the gospel. And I want you to hear this from someone who's pushing 50 years old now at this point. Um, you can go the rest of your life and you will never exhaust the wealth of treasure that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Um, I'm still growing all the time. I still have a lot of growing to do. I probably I imagine I'm probably in good company with that, right? But I, I'm struck by like, I haven't gotten to the bottom of this thing yet. I'm still learning the grace of Christ again and again. You know, like I still, I hear the, the call of the Holy Spirit saying it's for freedom and Christ has set you free so don't be yoked again by a yoke of slavery you know that yoke of slavery was actually a religious spirit that's what Paul was saying to the Galatians that's trying to fix yourself so I learn it again Lord set me free from that so I'm kind of we're in this exodus journey right and I wonder where you are in your exodus journey that's the point of today's message I'd love for you to take just a moment right now allow the Holy Spirit to speak to your heart you will never exhaust this treasure. This is the revelation of the great reversal. It is from death to life. It is from slavery to freedom. It is a take up your cross. Now listen, don't miss this. It's a take up your cross. It's a give up your glory. And it's hard. It's hard to do. But it's the best decision you make. It's the best decision you can make. We come to points of decision all the time. Lord, what would you have me do? Maybe there's somebody that's here today that say, today's the day I gotta say yes to the Lordship of Christ. I gotta check that first box. Don't run to the other ones until you've done the first one. Lord, I surrender my life to you. I, I, I fall on the finished work of Jesus. That is what this day is all about. Somebody else saying, you know what? It's time for, it's time for me to take the plunge. It's time for me to get serious about going public with my faith. We want to help you do that. It doesn't have to be on April 23rd. We'll make, we'll make excuses to have multiple baptism services. That would be a joy, okay? We'll get wet. Some of you are saying, I, I, I see where my, my worship needs to be reordered. I'm, I'm still growing in that. My priorities are not really in line with the priorities of Christ. And, and that's a Holy Spirit prompting. So it might be simply that you say, I'm, I'm responding to the Lord on that front today. Some of you would say, look, I'm in the wilderness. I'm not sure if I even know the way out of this thing. I believe God's with me, but it's hard. I'm in the wilderness right now. You know, my commitment is to, I'm gonna keep, I'm gonna keep going. But it's, it's not easy times. And then the last one is just simply to say, God, we, we wanna see a greater revelation of your glory. That's what we pray for. That's That's revival. It's revival in us. It's revival in our region. It's revival in the church. It's when the glory of God is more fully displayed. It's funny. The stuff that we think is normal might not be normal. Right? We think dead church experience is normal. Right? We think boring is normal. 
We think never, never seeing God on the move is, is normal. Maybe God has more. I love that Moses' heart was, Lord, don't, don't even send us forward if you're not going to go with us. Just that's a, I, we, don't, we can't, we, we, don't have, we don't have anything. If you don't go with us, don't send us. He says, I will go with you. That, think about that. That, that whole concept, that is the heart of God. The point of Jesus coming is that he said, I'm going to be Emmanuel. I will be God with you. And I'm going to fight for you. And I'm going to redeem you. So we say, Lord, show us your glory. The glory of walking with you. So just as a quick uh, response, I'm going to pray for you. Uh, I actually would like you to stay seated for just a moment. Um, but if you close your eyes, God, would you, would you stir us and help us to just be responsive? Lord, I just think you've got work that you want to do on, on the journey with us. And we want to receive it. We don't want to miss it. We don't want to run by it. If you already have kind of sensed that God is saying to your heart, yeah, this is, I, I know the thing that, that he's asking me to do today. Um, would you just raise a hand? No one's going to embarrass you or anything. I just want to, I want to pray for you. I just want to see some hands. I see that hand back there. Don't be timid in your hand raising. Just raise it up nice and high. Okay, I see that there. I see that one there. That one over there. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, see those hands over there? Yeah. So, Lord, I'm, I'm going to just ask right now that you would meet uh, each of us as we say yes to you in the variety of ways that we're walking right now. I pray, Lord, that you would meet us in this space. We have been praying for God encounters. We pray that today would be an encounter with you, the living Christ. Lord, thank you that you are meeting us right where we are. Thank you that you have more than enough, that you are able to supply for every need, Lord, that there's not a, a sin too, too deep, a, a life too broken that you can't repair, that there's not anyone too bound up that you can't set free. You are the divine rescuer, and we receive that. Lord, you love the commitments of your people to say, I want to go deeper. I want to make a public profession of faith. I, wanna, I want my, my worship to be ordered properly. I want you to sustain me through the wilderness. God, all of this is given to us at the empty tomb and the cross of Christ. So we receive it today. I bless these brothers and sisters. I ask that you would encourage them on the journey. I pray that we would find the, the work of the Holy Spirit and the fresh wind and the fresh fire that you desire to pour out over us. And we breathe deeply of your grace today even as we stand in awe of who you are. Thank you for this holy moment. We pray it all in Jesus' name. And God's people said, amen, amen. Hey, let me ask you to stand up together. And uh, team, are you ready to lead us? Yes. You guys are awesome. This, I love this choir back here. They're doing a great job. Um, they're gonna lead us forward. Let's, let's outdo one another uh, with giving praise to the Lord today. On this Easter Sunday, let's raise the roof and uh, we'll close up with this song.